What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is, well, it is early, very early Friday, January 5th, 2018, everybody, the first TVE of the new year. Happy New Year to everybody. I hope everybody had a great New Year's Eve, had a great New Year's Day. Uh, boy, do I have a story for you guys. Um, well, I could allude to what happened, but the story is so crazy and I guess personal that I'm going to do it on the Patreon. Okay. So Patreon will have, um, we'll do a couple Patreons this week. Like last week we did a couple Patreons, um, and the regular show. And I want to thank you Patreon listeners, but I, Brought the new year in on New Year's Day. Very, very scary. Something nuts happened. I could tell you that it has to do with weed and edibles. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, Tune in. Subscribe to the Patreon. For you Patreon subscribers, I got a good story for you guys coming up. And for you other people, just $3. Maximum five, minimum three. You could hear it. Um, and you could hear all of the interviews that I have on Patreon, like with Bill Burr and with Bobby Kelly and with Tim Dillon and Vladimir Camano and Rich Voss. And, you know, it's, and, and the list is just going to keep growing. There's a ton of extra content on there. So, um, you could check that out. I will talk about how I brought in the new year on, uh, on that, which was very, very scary, but, uh, a lot of great stuff to talk about on the regular TVE episode, uh, 338. That's right. 338. I don't know if I said that at the top of the show, but uh, yes, this is the first one of 2018. And um, we're going to bring in the new year right with this podcast. Uh, I'm a little fired up. I'm in a good mood. I got a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of funny stuff, a lot of gross stuff. Um, But there's a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm going to try to get to the unacceptables. Okay, I'm kind of debating if I should beef up on the unacceptables for next week. Um, you know, beef up on them and, and do that. What the hell is that? Oh, that's the dog. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot to talk about. If I don't get to your unacceptable this week or the unacceptables at all, um, then we'll do it next week. But, um, let me just see where the show goes, where it takes us all. First one of the new year. It is about 10 degrees outside here in New York. Absolutely fucking freezing. It is, and of course, of course on this freezing 10 degree day, my wife needed to go to the train station super early. Yes. So what she did is she hovered over me and said, babe, can you drive me to the train? I got to be there in 10 minutes. Can you get up and go warm the car? Which is not how you want to be woken up. You don't want to be woken up with somebody standing over you going, hey, I need you in 10 minutes. But go out in six degree weather and warm up the car while I just wait for comfort and you deal with everything. But I had to do that for my wife. So I uh, threw something on. I went outside in the frigid, frigid, frigid cold. I warmed up the truck. I got inside. I cursed her under my breath. And, uh, I did it with a smile like every good husband should. No, it was, it was brutal, man. And with the wind, it feels like, like when it's like between like six and 10 degrees and then the wind blows and you feel like minus, like negative, it's just not fun, especially first thing in the morning. 
Uh, we had a little bit of a blizzard here. Of course. I mean, this could be my unacceptable. Maybe it will be. I got a couple of them to start. I got a couple of them to start, but this will be this will be one of them. You know, I find out, oh, the storm's coming up from the south. You know, they're getting, you know, Jacksonville got snow for the first time. Jacksonville got snow for the first time in whatever, 100 fucking years. Uh, North Carolina is getting snow. So this is coming up. It's going to be really bad in the city and in Long Island. Shouldn't be that bad up by Westchester. Maybe, you know, one to four inches tops. Could be a dusting. Nothing more than that. Guys, where I live, we got pounded eight to nine inches. It was a blizzard. It was windy. You open the door and uh, there was eight inches of snow at the foot of the door. I was shoveling last night more snow than I ever shoveled in my life. Thank God my neighbor came over with the four-wheeler and the plow and he did my um, he did the driveway, but I still had to get the cars up on the top of the driveway because we got a long driveway and when it gets plowed, the car's got to come out or we're just blocked in. So I had to do that, but my walkway and my stairs to my my walkway, I it was just so much fucking snow that I had to do. But of course, it's going to be a dusting up where you are, you know, one to three. And then when they tell you there's going to be a foot of snow, you get three to four inches. So uh, the bottom line is just get salt and shovels. And just anytime they say snow, just just be ready for anything because nobody knows what they're doing. I don't know how those guys are making money just throwing on a suit, pointing to a green screen and acting like they know what they're talking about when they don't. Um, but yeah, it is uh, nevertheless... All right, it is, regardless of all that, it is frigid, frigid cold here. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I want to talk about New Year's Eve. I want to talk about, um, you know, I want to talk about some, uh, a movie I saw, which was kind of brutal, a couple of things in sports here, um, a television show, which I watched, which um, actually got me sick. So we will, we will talk about all that stuff. But we have a lot of stuff. And I'm going to be having on the regular show, so I'm going to do two parts with the, with the podcast coming up. I have some big guests coming on. I think next week I'm waiting for confirmation, but um, I'm going to have uh, you know some big guests coming on in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to do a two-part. I'm going to do a fun you know TVE thing, uh, regular, and then I'm going to do kind of like an in-depth, kind of whatever questions you guys have for them on the um on the Patreon. So uh that that's um coming up uh in the next week or so and I I'm looking forward to that. But uh let's get into the show guys. This is episode uh 338 before we get started. Of course, we have to shout out the sponsors guys. Um the Verzi Effect podcast is sponsored by the one the only the king of dry balls, chassis, chassis for men. What is chassis, you ask? How do you spell it? Well, it's C-H-A-S-S-I-S, and chassis is a unbelievable, unbelievable uh, body powder with a technology that makes your balls drier than they've ever been before. Um, so, if you work out, if you play sports, if you just deal with, uh, you know, just if you need to spruce up your uh, undercarriage or chassis, so to speak, 
you will get Chassis for Men, a premium body powder with a HydroShield technology, which um, is protection against sweat, chafing, and odor. Um, how long? All fucking day. It is the driest, best product. And you ask, is Chassis safe? I hear a lot of powders and things like that aren't safe. I hear a lot of things like that have chemicals. Well, no. Chassis contains no talc, no aluminum, no power bends, or no menthol. That's right, everybody. They did it. They figured it out. And um, from all the feedback I'm getting, it is amazing. It's just a fine, ultra soft, beautiful powder. You could get it scented, not scented. And it is for your, uh, your that's it, da- your man care for down there. That's right. There's no other way to say it. You get out of the shower, you dry off, and you spruce up. You could even use their shower primer and all the products. You could get Chassis at ChassisForMen.com or, or Amazon.com. Do that, and you will love it. Uh, well, how long does a bottle last us, Paul? Well, that's a great question, everybody. One bottle can last up to three to four months, even if you use it every day, which I do. Um, so uh, I have given this product to people. No, not one person, not one person has said anything other than I'm never putting another um, powder on my balls than Chassis. So check that out. Again, ChassisForMen.com or Amazon. Get your order today. All right. Also, guys, City Living Dog and Coach Mike, go to City Living Dog. Check out all of his amazing videos, what he does with these dogs. Check out all of his um, social media platforms. Uh, Google him. Uh, Check out Coach Mike, uh, Twitter, Instagram, okay, his Facebook, uh, his his YouTube channel, City Living Dog, Coach Mike. Uh, He will help you with, uh, with your dog. I know that for a fact. And... All Things Comedy, guys. Go to All Things Comedy for your favorite comedy podcast, your favorite comedy albums, uh, content. They just put a show up there of a bunch of comedians playing poker. They're putting a bunch of stuff out. They're uh, doing specials, yours truly being the first. And uh, we're going to have a lot of exciting uh, exciting uh, things coming up with that very, very soon. So you'll be hearing about that. So check All Things Comedy out uh, at allthingscomedy.com or follow them on Twitter at All Things Comedy. How was your New Year's? Here's what I did for New Year's, everybody. I went to lovely, beautiful Albany, New York. Well, actually, I did two shows, two t- simultaneous shows. The first show was at 8 o'clock at night. Me, Rich Voss, this dude Jim Felton, and this dude Brian, and I'm going to ruin his last name, so I don't even want to do it. We had a great time, though. Um, we were at the Coho's Music Hall, which looked like it's been around for fifty, like 1,500 years. This place was freezing cold. There was an elevator that went right to the showroom. So you like, you, I guess you were on stage and people would just walk off the elevator in the showroom. Um, I was performing for adults that had scarves and hats on. I, I mean, these people were lucky they had a structure over their fucking heads. This place was so, you know, I mean, it was, it was old, but it was actually really cool. But just like, I mean, you want to talk about bare bones. They might as well have just put us in a fucking warehouse with a with a draft, like with a window cracked open in a warehouse with chairs. I mean, that's how cold it was. But um, did that. Now, right when I got off stage there, I had to get in my car, follow the show, like a guy that was like, you know, the, sh- the show manager um, to the egg in Albany. And I don't know if anybody's been to the egg in Albany, but the egg literally looks like that. It looks like a spaceship hovering around, like just a a spaceship in Albany. And that's the showroom, a 900 seat, like in this egg that's like pointed up. It it looks like a spaceship, but just going to take off and go up into space. Um, 
did that. And, um, yeah, you know, shout out to Tom Nitsche. You know, it was fun. Some people were dressed nice and, and, and cool, and other people were, you know, were weird. Some people were drunk. You know, weird crowd on the second show. Like, some people just yelling shit out. Um, but I had fun. But I had a dilemma, guys. And here's what my dilemma is. Or was, I should say. I was literally two hours from my house. Matter of fact, the Waze app, GPS, all that shit said that I was um, one hour and 57 minutes away from home. And I had my kids, my wife, my mother-in-law at the house, and we were going to just have a nice little celebration of the new year. And I, you know, my goal was to get home before the ball dropped. So um, I get off stage on the second show. I go in. They had some food in the green room. I got my jacket. I got my phone. Rich Voss was in there. I was talking to Rich and letting him know like the, the comparisons to this crowd compared to the first crowd because he, he was obviously on both shows too. I look at my I look at my phone and it says that it's 10:04. So in my mind I'm like I'm already after midnight. What am I going to do? So they had like hot wings in there and some food and pizza and I'm like I'm not eating this shit right now. All right? I'm just going to get home. So I say bye to everybody, you know, I got paid all that shit and I I get in my car and the GPS tells me that I'm going to get home. The way says I'm going to get home at 12:06. And it's usually accurate. You look at that, you're like, fuck, you know, luckily I was all gassed up. I didn't have to worry about getting gas. So now I have a mission. Okay. I have to go two hours and the, the, it says I'm going to be there at 12.06. I need to shave off at least seven or eight minutes. Guys, I flew the fuck home and I must've broken. I mean, I don't know how many laws I broke, but I probably broke 18 of them. I mean, I'm just... All I'm thinking about, I'm going to go home, everybody's going to be up, you know, the lights are going to be on, there's going to be champagne poured, going to have a nice time with my mother-in-law, my, um, my, my wife, my kids, the whole deal, bring in the new year, very kind of private, but that's what I like, you know, especially with what I do. So I'm looking at the clock and now the clock is saying like 12.04 and I'm just looking at it and every 25, 30 minutes of me flying, I was never like in danger of like really like doing something stupid. Like I wasn't going 100, but I was always going close to 18 to 25 miles over the limit, almost the whole ride. And, uh, you know, but the Waze app kind of lets you know when there's cops and stuff. So, you know, it was nice when there was the speed limit was 65. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go to 85. You know, Lloyd, shut up. I'm talking. Uh, oh, shit. Are the cleaning people here? Come on. I'm flowing. Okay. My cleaning people are here. Uh, the cleaning ladies. So I'm downstairs and uh, I had to put Lloydie in the crate. As you could hear, Lloyd is chewing and eating like the animal that uh, that he is. But I had to. Lloyd, can you eat a little slower and, and, and more uh, more quiet, please? So anyway, I'm flying home from Albany, and at one point, I saw flashing lights, and I'm like, that's it, I'm gonna miss the ball drop, and I just got pulled over, and I didn't, the cop was going after somebody else, and it was on the other side of the highway, but it was dark, so I just saw the flashing lights, you know, coming blind, and, and, uh, anyway, so now I'm down to, like, midnight, and I call my wife, and I go, look, have the kids up, have a drink poured, I can't wait to see you guys, blah, 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 I'm gonna make it, then I get the thing all the way down to 11.56. 
I walk in the door at 11.56, and lights are off, kids sleeping, and uh, my wife had wine poured instead of champagne. Um, but we ended up getting the champagne poured right before the ball drop, and uh, yeah, it's never what you expect. You always expect something better. Lloyd, oh boy, there he goes. Ah. Oh my God, dude, I just almost got sick. There he goes, just... Coughed and barfed because he's eating like he's going to the electric chair tomorrow. Calm down, Lloyd. It's not going anywhere, dude. This dog just is eating as if this is his last meal. I don't understand why dogs don't... Like, can a dog... I got to be honest with you. Dogs being as smart as people say... Like, my dog is so ridiculously intelligent that uh, every trainer that saw him was like, this dog is so beyond... Like they were like one of the best train. I'm not even kidding you. One of the best trainers in the country who had a series on CBS goes, this dog is almost too much for this, this house. Like this dog is just, he gets everything so much that he knows how to manipulate. He knows how to get what he wants. Lloyd is for a wild animal. Uh, me and my wife get astonished by some of the things we say and what he recognizes and how he gets a sense where like, if I say something or we're going to leave the house he knows our patterns. He's just, he gets it. He's a really, really smart dog. But even that, can't dogs look at the bag of food and be like, yeah, no, the bag is right there and my bowl is here. So it's coming again. Like, I don't understand why they can't understand. Like, it's coming again. Like, you're going to get the food again. Like, and, and they just eat as if they're never going to have water or food again. You know? Um, I don't know. They did a study that said they proved that cats are, are, aren't as smart as dogs. I don't necessarily know. They're, they, they've probably been doing that study. I bet you if you find a study, there's another study that says, you know, cats are smarter. But I don't know. You know, these dogs, for however smart they are, I don't understand how they can't see the bag of food and be like, that's coming again. Like, that's my bag of food. Unless they do see it and they're like, I'm still going to eat like an animal because that's what I am. I don't know. Anyway, I digress. So, get home New Year's Eve. Have some wine, have a little bit of champagne, sit down, relax. And uh, everybody went to bed. And then at 3 o'clock in the morning, I decided to do something really stupid and take a little bit of an edible. I have to leave the story there because what comes next is uh, very, very uh, personal, very scary. And um, it's going to be for a great story on the Patreon. And for you people that have decided to pay and get extra content, I have to give you that story. I'm sorry, people. You know, the free one, I'm going to, don't worry. I got a great show for you guys. But this shit is like, you know, there, there's got to be certain things that I'm like, all right, that's got to be for the, that's got to be for the special listeners. That's got to be for the extra listeners, I should say. You're all special. But uh, so you guys could hear that one on there. Um, but boy, it was a very weird way. To come into um, New Year's Eve. I mean New Year's Day. To start 2018 like that. Okay, that much. That much I can tell you. Alright. Um, let's see here. You know what's funny? Um, hold on a second. I keep... You know, everybody's interrupting this show. Okay. Um, Alright. Sorry about that. That was actually Sal Vacano. From Impractical Jokers, everybody. Sal just hit me up. And guess who's going to be a guest on the Verzi Effect very soon? Probably next week. That's right. Sal Volcano. 
or Sal Valcano. Um, but if you guys watching Practical Jokers, you know how great the show is. You know how great Sal is. Sal and I um, have become really good friends, and he's going to be on the Verzi Effect, and it's going to be a barrel of fucking laughs. That much I can tell you, and we're going to have a great time. So um, big guest for the show. Really happy to have the second show of, um, of 2018 be with a huge, uh, huge guest, great, great friend, and um, we're going to talk about some funny stuff. All right, I got cleaning people upstairs. I got a cat in front of me that's about 20 pounds and looks like a baby fucking jaguar was just born up here, and he's walking around in front of me. I got Lloyd in his crate, okay, while the cleaning people are here because he'll, otherwise he'll jump on them in a friendly way. But he's sitting there. He's whimpering and crying, all right? I'm sitting here. I, you know, you, you hear other people's voices. I mean, it's just, it's a circus out here tonight, today. Uh, 10 degrees outside. I got to go and get, Lloyd, leave the cat alone, he's just trying to figure it out too, I mean, Lloyd's looking at the cat through the crate, like, why is he walking around free, and I'm not, you want to know why, because he's not going to jump on beds, and jump on people trying to clean the house, that's why, um, okay, so one thing that I tried to do is, uh, you know, just stay away from certain things for the new year, okay, um, staying away from, from, you know, beer, staying away from soda for a while, staying away from pizza, staying away from the bad stuff. Guys, the one thing in the world I cannot shake, I absolutely cannot shake, is candy. Still, sweets, still. I cannot do it. I have zero discipline. I can't do it. Um, I was starting my diet. Everything was good. And then I realized my wife bought me this gigantic, big, delicious bag of gummy bears that was in my stocking. And I just sat down the other night and took like, ah, I'm not going to eat the whole bag. Meanwhile, the bag's like two pounds. Of course, I'm not going to eat the whole bag. But I had like two fistfuls of it through the course of the evening. I just can't stop it. Um, there was also these peanut butter chocolate cookies upstairs in a tray. And every time I would eat a meal, I'd like a little something sweet after and I would take one. And I realized that I was hurting my cause a lot. So the only way that I could deal with it is I just opened the tray of cookies and I threw them out. And my wife goes, um, you know, just because you don't have discipline and control doesn't mean everybody else in the house doesn't. And what if I wanted a cookie? And I said, fair point. But nobody was eating them. In my defense, nobody was eating them but me for days, for days. Okay, the kids didn't like them and my wife wasn't touching them. She did make a good point, though. Selfish move on my part. But I did know and notice that nobody was touching them at all. Nobody was touching the cookies. So, um, yeah, that's... That's that. Um, what else do we have here? All right, guys. I saw a show last night on, um, I don't know, was it TLC or whatever it was. And I'm not going to lie to you people. It was one of the most, I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was called, and some of you may know it. It was called uh, My 600-Pound Life. Okay. And in watching this show, I felt bad for the people, you know, they're bedridden and they, you know, they got to have like the gastric bypass and they got to do all these different things to make their life, you know, more, I guess, you know, make their life more enjoyable and make their life, uh, you know, get up and walk around and live and do all this stuff. But I saw something that I just couldn't, uh, I'm getting sick right now. I'm not even joking. I got sick watching this. (coughs) Um. I don't know if I'll be able to get through the story. I'm going to just try. But um, 
So I'm watching this, and this guy's, I guess this guy's like 700 pounds, whatever, and he's laying in the, he's laying down, and he just had the gastric bypass, and he's laying there, and he's got the sheets over him, and I noticed that, like, his legs weren't, oh, <coughs> <coughs> oh my God, <clears throat> his legs had, like, all this excess, excess skin hanging, right? But, like, to the point where, like, it was just these big, by the way, if you're eating, Fast forward this, and I know I talked about Lloyd Puka last time. I don't know why these gross things are coming up, but uh, his legs just had like this excess skin and fat, but like to the point where it looked like, like it looked like bags of like bags of fat were just hanging off, but you couldn't see his feet really. It looked, it just it was just all this excess skin, and like some of the skin was so big and fat and dead that like it was like green and <coughs> it was like. <coughs> Uh, it was like dry and green and stuff. And like he had to like open these big folds of skin to clean for the hygiene. And uh, <coughs> I was getting sick. I, I guess I might think, think I might have to stop talking about because my eyes are watering. But anyway, there was one scene where like I just didn't understand how this dude could walk. Like his legs, it looked like each leg was like 350 pounds and they're just hanging down. And, and you could just see like toes under fat. So it looked like, I don't even know how to describe it. Imagine if like sandbags were all over your legs and feet, but buried and you couldn't see anything. Like that's what he's walking around with. And it was one scene where um, you don't see anything, but like these, you know, fat bags hanging off of his legs. And you just see like one toe sticking out and he couldn't clip his toenails. So he just had like this huge long toenail. <coughs> oh, oh my God. He had this long toenail. And uh, I started gagging, and I almost threw up everything I ate. And I had to, I had to turn my head away from the TV. And I'm not saying this, you know, to uh, to be rude or to be disrespectful, but I don't understand how. Like, and I guess he had, he was like lined up for surgery, but I just don't understand how um, an addiction can do that. Like, I understand. And, and, and I really am trying to understand, so I'm not I'm not trying to be rude. I don't understand how an addiction could let you do that. Like, I underst- I actually understand how people get addicted to drugs because of the, the euphoric feeling and it takes you away and it's it's a... I understand that, but, like, I, I just, like, this dude was talking, he's like, you know, I mean, this dude had, like, multiple two liters of Coca-Cola next to his bed. This dude was, you know, they're talking about, like, I mean, just taking a, a full pizza to the dome. You know, just like a full-fledged large pizza to the dome is like an average lunch, like the way you would eat like a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, these people are throwing down large pies like it's, you know, like it's a, like it's a fucking, you know, like they're Lunchables, you know, like they're, you know, bagel bites. And um, I just don't understand. And just like I was trying to figure out like what depression that I was in and what it made me do. And... uh you know, the some people, some people I guess can eat, some people can't. I couldn't when I was like that. Like when I was depressed, I couldn't eat. And these, um, yeah, these peace people were like eating and and just like almost like that's like the way. And then I felt bad because then this other dude on the show had to eat like a little Jello thing, and the dude was like like six hundred and like six hundred and fifty pounds. And the doctor was like, look, man, you got to just like, so this guy had to eat like a bird, but he was like 650. All right. 
Now, I'm under 200 pounds, okay? And I get starving, and I mean, the only one I, I'm trying to throw down, like, you know, fruit if I have to or whatever. But, like, I couldn't imagine the level of hunger that I would be if I was just, like, an absolute, like, giant like that, you know? And uh, I guess the point what I'm trying to say is the show is both, you know, you love seeing when they lose weight and they're crying and they could walk around and they're out of bed and stuff. It feels great, but, like, some of the things I just couldn't believe like, I would be like, dude, if my legs, I mean, I would be like, you know, cut them off. Like, cut my legs off or, or just, you know, just cut this fat off. Like, I couldn't believe what it was, to be honest. I really couldn't believe what it was. And um, heart goes out to them. I mean, they're walking, like, ticking time bombs and stuff. And, you know, I'm not, by no means am I sitting here trying to make fun of anybody at all. But, I mean, what do you, I mean, I just, like, I couldn't imagine being that big and then taking a pizza to the dome. <laughs> I just couldn't imagine being like that and being like, all right, let me get too large and, you know, a couple of two and just sitting there feeling. I mean, the crazy thing is when you are like 600 pounds, when you watch the show, when you're five, 600 pounds like that, like you could lose 100 pounds in like two months. You can literally, they say like the doctor was saying like you could or like you lose like, th I'm sorry, you lose like 30, 35 pounds a month. If you are on a diet and doing the right thing, like you could just, it just drops. Like, you know, when you get to a reasonable weight, it takes, it's hard to lose 20 to 30 pounds. You got to work really hard to get rid of the last, like the last 20 or 30 are the hardest because it's like, you're, you're almost there. You just got to work really hard, push through to get to your, you know, where, where your body needs to be. When you're 600 pounds, it wants to come off because it's not supposed to be there. It's just so, so much. Um, but it was just weird that one guy was just huge, but his he was like proportion, and the other guy just his legs, just looked like it was just it looked like a a really crazy deformity and all this stuff, and I felt super bad. But it also was got me sick, but I couldn't turn away because I, I was hoping by the end of the episode the dude was gonna be like skinny, you know, jump rope and playing hopscotch, and I mean that really wasn't the case. I don't know what I was thinking. I was just I guess it was just wishful thinking. But uh, it's called My 600 Pound Life, and you could get, like, updates of the people on their website um, and see what they're doing. And I was so intrigued by one of these stories that I went to it to see. And you can't really see much. You can't really see where they are now or all that. Um, they say you can, but then you can't. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, I was gagging. I got sick. I got sick, and it was sad. And then, like, one of the guys was addicted to drugs. and It was just a whole, it was just a whole, I mean... Listen, I could say this. If you ever felt like you were, you know, getting a little out of shape or heavy, like, watch the show because you'll be like, ah, you know, I got my shit together. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not even trying to be a dick. If you feel like you're a little overweight or, like, I mean, watch what these people go through and you'll be like, all right, I got to just, you know, cut out desserts or whatever. But, like, I, I mean, these people can't walk. These people are limping. Some of them are bedridden. They got to have people wash them. It's really, really rough. And, uh, I, you know, I, I really actually felt fortunate and, and started to really think and care about my health and, and realize, like, don't take it for granted. Don't take anything for granted. Don't take not being in pain. Don't take not having headaches. Don't take, you know, not being 400 pounds. Like, don't take that for granted. Like, you know, your eyesight, everything. It, it's it's crazy that we have the luck. Like, we, it's like a unbelievable, you know, like, privilege to have what we have. And, and some people, I think, forget it. And you see these people, and you're just like, oh, my God, like. This guy's like, imagine being bedridden, 600, 700 pounds for years, where, like, friends know by only, like, your immediate family can see you, 
and you're just laying there and you're just constantly like it's it's just an absolutely heartbreaking brutal thing and it's 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 a problem it really is a problem so um i know i painted the picture of you not wanting to see the thing but it's it's addictive it really is addictive and um and sad and all that but you're rooting for them you're like dude just walk around like i mean they're so big that if these guys took like 30 steps and then 30 steps back and laid down like that's a big day you know, it's like, all right, you're starting to, you know, but I mean, this dude looked, I mean, one of these people looked like they just needed somebody to carve them out with a chainsaw. And and I'm not even trying to be rude or graphic. Like, I don't understand how the guy wasn't just like, cut this off of me, cut it off of me. I'll deal with the scars. Like, I got to get this. I have to get this excess thing out. I can't talk about because my mouth's starting to water again in a bad way. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's one thing I watched. Now, I want to talk about a movie that I saw. And um, I don't even know how to review it, but it was brutal. It was called um, A Gray State. It's on Netflix. And A Gray State, what's it about? Uh, what it's about is um, this gentleman, I believe, uh, David Crawley, uh, was making a movie just about um, just about how the government can can take over at any time and that kind of we're not free and that like the Illuminati and the you know the new world order and all that stuff is is real and and you gotta be prepared to to survive it and you know and just like all those people at conspiracy theory stuff and and, and something like that I mean I don't want to give too much away but that's basically the the gist of it all right and it's a new it was a new release like a week or two ago on um on uh on Netflix and the guy's a filmmaker and it's basically he's making a movie called Gray State and it's about all those different things you know it's just about what I said um, and there's a big following for that there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there there's a lot of people that think that there's a new world order and the government's going to take ultimate control and we're not going to be free anymore and we're going to be like you know whatever government slaves or we could be you know something like that and he's making this movie about it and he put out, what he did was, he put out a trailer for it. Him and his partner making the movie, they actually made a trailer for it before making the movie to, to see if they could raise money and get investors and get Hollywood people to be so intrigued by the amount of hits that it gets. And it went viral and all these people wanted the movie. And he was going out to um, California and he wanted to get $30 million to make this movie. And things were going great and amazing. And then somewhere along the line... Um, you know, him, his wife, and his five-year-old daughter are, um, are dead. The neighbor hears the dog barking. There is, like, Christmas presents still on the step. The neighbor looks in and sees three bodies laying there. And, uh, there's something, um, written in blood on the wall. And, and I, I'll kind of leave it at that, but I will tell you this, um, Watch with very, watch with uh, precaution, I should say. Um, it's, it's very, very somber. It's very, very sad. It's um, almost like, I don't know, it's just really one of those things where you watch it and I've seen it days ago and I'm still laying in bed thinking about it. Um, it's sad, it's brutal. It's, uh, it's... 
you have questions, but then you kind of figure it out. Oh, that's what happened. I think that after you watch it, you know 100% exactly what happened, how it happened, who did it. I mean, I think you get that. Uh, you almost pretty much know it. But um, how it happened and how it got there and stuff like that is pretty interesting. And uh, like I said, sad and screwed up. And there was a, a you know a, a wife and a little girl and, and you know three lives that were lost during this thing. But I will say this. It will keep you there the whole time. I didn't want it to end just because I wanted answers. And it was, um, it really showed what, what some of these guys, you know, how you could be desensitized to, to violence and, and things that you see when, when you go off to war. Um, you know, he did some, a couple of tours in Afghanistan and stuff. I think Iraq and then Afghanistan and, you know, he thought he was done, but he said, he's, you know, you, you see a lot of messed up things. And, and that's another reason why, um, you know, these soldiers and stuff, it's not just, you know, you know, people think a lot of times when these soldiers go out to war and you thank them and you say, I thank you for your service and all that, that it's just that they were brave and they're doing something you're not able to do. It's not only that, it's what they carry with them. You know, it's what they carry with them and it's what they have to live with after what they saw. And um, the more that I travel and do comedy and talk to soldiers, and, and there's a, a couple of uh, comedians that are that uh, were soldiers, and uh, I know that they go through it, and I know that uh, they need help and they need to talk to people, and you know it's it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a you know there's a, there's a reason why as a high suicide rate with these ex-soldiers, because um, you see things that you just really shouldn't see, uh, um, you know they're reality and you can't be naive to them, but like I don't think. You know, a, a mind coming up um, and trying to, you know, sh you know, to obviously as you grow, right? You want to evolve and and, and do things. And then when you see the 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 most har harsh and, and heinous violence, um, it does something to you. So when I sh talk about my respect for the soldiers and all that stuff, it's also what they're carrying too. You know, it's also what they're carrying, and um, it's heavy, and it's something that you know. I mean, I feel bad about certain parties I got too drunk at in college and high school. I couldn't imagine what these guys are thinking and what these guys are going through. You know, think about that. Think about something that you feel like you regret. You know, and that happens, and that's happening to me the older I get. I'm like, man, I can't believe I, you know, pull my pants down at that party. And, you know, it's something stupid, you know. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. And these guys are like, imagine what they can't believe they saw or what they did or what they had to do. Um, and I think that part of that goes into, um, a gray state in the documentary. Um, so, so watch it. You'll be glued to it, but you'll also be like, oh man, this is, this is going in a really crazy direction. And then ultimately you see what happens. And, um, yeah, so I, that's, that's pretty much all I have with it because any other, uh, anything else about it, I, I would really be giving it away. But I'd love you guys to watch it and, and hit me up with it. I believe the family was uh, residing in uh, Minnesota. And um, yeah, so check that out. And you hear the people, you hear the, the um, people that they're survived by. You hear the, the brothers and the father and the family and friends and stuff talk about the whole thing and, and what happened. But then you actually see footage of them making this movie. And you see them doing like a screening of like the, you know, the, the trailer and getting people excited. And then you listen to some of the Hollywood people, the producers that were going to make it, talk about meeting with them and you hear stuff. It's just wild. It's wild and um, and sad and brutal to say the least. So that that's, I don't even know, it's I don't even know if you could review a movie like that. 
uh, you know, because it's you leave with this awful feeling. Um, you leave with like, what the hell just happened? That's terrible. But you're also um, you're you're you can't take your eyes off of it. You're you're interested in it. You want to know what happened. You want to know why it happened. You want to know, you know, what along the way, you know, made it happen. All these different things. So that's that's all. I can't say all oh, the Verzi Effect podcast gives it. Depth. I would say though, it's it's a good watch if you just if you can handle stuff like that. But if you can't, if you know, if you, you know, it's very interesting. Okay. Um, and people, there's a conspiracy around, you know, how they got, you know, who killed them and all that stuff. So check check it out. It's called a Gray State. It's on Netflix. You can check it out. All right. Um, it was so much crazy, somber and weird that like, I don't even know after even talking about it now, I don't even know where to go on the show. I mean, I do, we're going to, we'll get, (laughs) we'll get somewhere, but, um, wow, man, it's, it's crazy. What the, what the human mind can, is capable of is wild. Absolutely wild. Um, and you know, and, and it sucks that there's a kid involved. Um, all right, let's let's t- let's try to turn the page to something positive here. Uh, yeah, it just took a weird turn. I know, I know. First one of the year, so let's let's get this thing back on track. I um, what did I do? I yeah. One thing I'm gonna try to do this year is stop with the empty threats with my kids because I find out I find it like that they just know they know it's bullshit. They know they're just like dad. Come on, really? You know, making it up as I'm yelling. You know what? I'm going to take, you know what's going to happen, right? If this keeps happening, I'm going to tell you something. We're we're not going to. And I'm just like looking around the room. You guys aren't going to have blankets anymore. And they're just like, yeah, all right, Dad. You know, no, no, I'm serious. You guys want shoes when you go to school because you like those pair of shoes? You know, and it's just like you're not going to. So I'm going to try to stick with, you know, the worst is. Like, my kids are both old enough to just be like, how could you do that to us? That's so mean. I hate you. You're the meanest. And I'm just like, no, but I'm not. Your mother's meaner than me. You know that. You know that. Come on. Me or your mom at the end of the day. Who's nice? Like, I can't do that. I can't do that. Although I want to. Uh, <laughs> I want to just call them aside and be like, look, you guys know. All right, I'm the easygoing one. Okay, listen. Things get done because of her. But let's, I mean, let's be honest here. Who what are we talking about over here? You know, taking you guys to the movies when I shouldn't. You know, no, don't tell mom. She she knows, but don't tell her. It's so funny. When my kids do something bad, my wife yells at them and then will come into me and I know I'm next because she'll be like, they wouldn't do that if you... But one time she was like totally irrational with it and I, and I was like, really? They did that because of me? And she was like, no, but you know. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, you know that they're not doing that because of me. All right, enough. That's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but I am going to stop with the empty threats. Uh, that's one thing that I have to do. Don't give your kids empty threats. They know. Make it real. Take something away. You know what they do now? They know they don't like when I go to work. And they know, I know they don't like when they go to work. So um, they'll do something where they get really excited when dad's staying home. But when they're mad at me, they'll be like, I hope you go to work tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and they know it hurts and I know they don't mean it so they did that the other night and I go I like flipped it on them I go yeah well you know what lucky for you guys I am going to work tonight and they just turned and go you are and I go yeah I am so you guys aren't going to have to deal with me and they were just like no nah, because we really don't want you to go and I'm like yeah then don't talk <laughs> don't say it Um, I just have to chalk it up to like I'm really bad with being 
like angry and yelling at my kids. I'm bad with it. And and I'm I there are times that they know when I go, but like I just I'm just not I don't know why. Like you know the way there's certain people that just have certain things. Um I mean and I I've been like you know, like it takes them so long for me to just, and I'm finally like, your mother's right. You don't listen. You know, you guys like, and then I'll say something like, the only way I'll get to them is I'll be like, you guys do suck at listening. You know that, and then they'll get all mad. But um, it's funny how like you just have to. It's it's almost like it's bad being like me because when you're like me, they make you get to a point where they're like, whoa, that changed. You know, um, so my wife is definitely better with the discipline. And I, I, I don't know, I don't know, I just, I don't know, it, it sucks because I just want them to listen so everything could be good, like, I, I, like, I do things you can't really do with children, where, like, I'll sit and try to reason with them and be like, look, do you know how easy this is? Like, all you guys gotta do, like, if you bring out crayons and you start drawing and shit, okay, just, when you're done the picture, just put the fucking crayons away, and then there, it's already away, and there's nothing to clean, like, what don't you guys, you guys understand that we're gonna go and do fun things if you listen, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what the, de- like, I try to talk to them as if I'm in, like, a mafia meeting, you know, where I'm just like, look, what's the problem, okay, I can't have this, we can't have this as a family, we can't have this, I told you a million times, okay, something's gonna have to happen, alright, so here's what's gonna happen, okay, you like that teddy bear, alright, well, you're gonna find that teddy bear's arm in your top draw. If you don't <laughs> just start <laughs> Just start finding out. You like that American girl doll or whatever? Yeah, that doll. Well, here's what's gonna happen. First step is we're gonna shave her head off. We're gonna shave her hair. Okay, so now she's gonna look sick. You're gonna have a sick American girl doll. Alright? That's good, but that's that's only the that's only the beginning. Okay, it's one thing to not have hair, it's another thing to not have feet as an American girl doll. So you know those little cute booties? Those cute booties and those cute little sneakers that come with the American doll. Yeah, well, you're not going to need those anymore. Okay, those are going to have to go on her hands. If you continue to not clean your room, <laughs> it would be so scarring. Wouldn't it? Oh, my God. Could you imagine? I remember I was in a car once with a friend, and I told one of my kids, I go, listen, you do it one more time. I'm throwing a thing off the bridge. We were going over a bridge. And I was half joking. And my buddy, who was it, goes, dude, don't do that because I remember something happened with my family where, like, they did something with a doll and the kids never forgot it. So you really do got to watch that. But how hilarious would that be if in, like, 15 years, I mean, God forbid my kids were in therapy in 15 years, but, like, in 15, 20 years, your kid's in therapy and they're just like, yeah, you know, I had this doll. And, um, you know, it was a Thursday. I was supposed to clean my room before company came over. I didn't. And um, my father took my doll and, and, and um, tortured it and then cut its limbs off. And now I have a thing with dolls. When I see dolls, I just break down and cry all the time. <laughs> the Italian therapist would be like, well, you know, you should have. I mean, listen, there's a price to pay. If I was you, I would have I would have uh, had the room clean before company came there, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Uh, I, you know what, man? I don't know. And my wife could just be like, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And the kids just look like, all right. And then, and then my wife, but my wife knows how to like, and then be like, I love you, but you have to do this. And then, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, I'm not as like, I'm a good fun dad, but I'm not the, 
I, and they definitely take advantage of it. They def- Lloyd takes advantage. Of it. Lloyd knows, you know. My wife had L- Lloyd had two paws out the door way before I, you know, I would have done it. And um, but look, who was right? Who was right in that situation? Everybody. Now he's got his head down in the crate. He's like, all right, I, I love when a dog gives up the fight where he's just like, look, I'm in here until the cleaning lady leaves. So I'm just going to make the best of it and put my head down. Um, all right. So what, we're, uh, what are we? We're 40. Oh, wow. We're almost 48 minutes into this. Let me see. Was there any? You know what? Let me see if, if anybody. I think somebody wrote something I did want to talk about on the unacceptables, but I'm not going to go into the unacceptables. I'm going to wait. Till next week, guys. Send me your unacceptables next week. Um, and this year, I honestly, I'm doing something a little different on the show this year. Okay, so as far as 2018, um, I'm going to be doing a lot of proofreading of the unacceptables, a lot more than I've done in the past. And the unacceptables that are going to go on, they're probably going to go down in numbers, and that's just because they need to be. Everybody's have been good, so I usually do this anyway. But like, I'm not going to do any repeat ones. Okay, so if somebody in traffic, like I said, if it's somebody who's just, you know, that we've already done before. So I'm going to pick really unique, funny, good ones, but I'm going to be a little more picky. And, um, you know, obviously, I'm going to try to get to everybody and be fair, but it's just not going to be any repeat ones or stuff that people heard before. Even if it's a great one, I like some some different ones, you know, like um, the different situations are great. For example... Uh, who's a contributor to the show? There's a couple of contributors. Let's say Kelly. Kelly Meyer, the Shakespeare shit. He'll come up with something, and even though it's an IBS situation, they're always kind of different and unique and in a different setting and just how, you know, and, and, and it's so something like that, you know. And obviously, Kelly's got carte blanche on the show. You know, he's been part of the show for years. So, but I'm, I'm just talking about if you guys have written in before and it's something where you're just like, yeah, you know, and I'm in Applebee's and they took forever. I get it, but it kind of, I'm trying to pick the ones that are more unique and please don't write novels because the better, quicker, more unique ones, the more ones that I could do. All right, let's see here. There was something that I wanted to talk about here. Um, okay. Yeah. So if you guys did see, um, if you guys did see the Star Wars I mean, listen to the Star Wars podcast I did with Vladimir Camano on Patreon. You'll a lot of things were broken down and things were talked about. And I had asked you guys if you, um, I had asked you guys if you guys had anything, um, you know, to to questions or anything that you heard about it. Hit me up. So, um, this is uh, this is one. All right, let's see here. This is from Kaylee, I believe. Okay, and Kaylee says something about The Last Jedi. Here she goes. Uh, the Last Jedi. Okay, so I don't personally watch Star Wars. Uh, my one coworker is a Star Wars fanatic, so I asked him these questions. His name is Nick, and another coworker, Lori, who watched The Last Jedi too. These were their responses. Number one, what did you think of Princess Leia floating in space and flying back to the ship? Nick said, couldn't hate it anymore. Terrible. Lori said, corny. I think that's when they started to computerize Carrie Fisher. Um, I couldn't, I, I, I didn't know what to think of it. I didn't like it. I lied to myself trying to think it was okay, but it wasn't. Um, and maybe you're right about the computerized. I don't know. Number two, Luke on the Island milking that thing. Disgusting, hard to watch is what Lori said. Nick said, funny as shit. 
uh, I think it was a callback to the original Star Wars where they had blue milk on the table and no explanation. I think that's where it came from. Number three, Luke throwing his lightsaber. Look, I don't remember. When did that happen? Oh, the beginning. I don't have any thoughts on that. Nick, I think it's because he didn't want anything to do with training Rey to be a Jedi. Shirtless guy. I don't remember his name. LOL. Um, Nick, Ben Solo is wide-ass beefcake. I don't know what that... And then she said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that was literally what he said in regards to the last question. There you have it, Paul. My research into uh, your questions. LOL. Hope that helped. Well, thank you so much for getting back to me on that. Um, there's one thing Vladimir said about, well, we don't know where Snoke came from. We don't know where the evil... You know what, though? You don't know where the first emperor came from either. So in Star Wars and Empire Strikes... In, in the beginning, when we were kids, the ones that came out in the 70s and 80s or whatever, we didn't know where that emperor was from. There was no backstory with that either. I mean, it does come later. Maybe it'll come later with Snoke, but that's another thing that I thought about about that. Um, so thank you, Kaylee. I'm, is there a couple that I could do here? Um, let me see here. Why don't you guys just send... Um, just send... Just send them... In and, and I'm gonna do I'll do them more because we're 52 minutes in and um, you know I don't want to waste actually it's not wasting time but I'd like to um, well, let me see is this let me see if uh, you know what Kaylee you attached one to that one right okay so this is from Kaylee first unacceptable for for the year and uh We'll see how long this discussion lasts. And then, guys, send them, send your unacceptables to unacceptables for TVE at Gmail. And, again, just make them, make them, uh, I guess, you know, cut out the fat with the words. But, uh, you know, we'll be picking some really good, unique, unique ones. But this one is the first one of 2018. And uh, this was attached with Kaylee's uh, Star Wars thing. And thank you for asking the Star Wars question. Um, unacceptable, unacceptable, my unacceptable first, I went to ShopRite for, um, deli meat, uh, for some reason I thought Rite, uh, Rite Aid, and I was like, you go to Rite Aid for, uh, I went to, <laughs> that's gotta be a dope-ass Rite Aid, if you're like, yeah, let me get a highlighter, a legal pad, and a fucking pound of prosciutto, all right, I went to ShopRite for deli meat, um, a week back, I walked up to the counter, and I was the only one there. There were four or five employees behind the counter. I needed about five different things. Only one person helped me. So it took 20 minutes for the stuff I needed. Meanwhile, the other employees behind the counter just stood there talking about their personal lives. Now, I could understand only being helped by one person when uh, there are other people waiting for stuff as well. And the employees are helping them. But when... They have the employees there, and I'm the only one there. Really, 20 minutes, unacceptable. Now I have an acceptable. Uh, I went to the city for New Year's Eve. I can't believe I went. I didn't want uh, to at all, but the, a family friend had a hotel room in Times Square, so if I didn't want to stay uh, outside, I, would have ha I wouldn't have to. Okay, that makes sense. I know how cold New York weather is being a native New Yorker, so I dressed appropriately to go out. Snow pants, boots, and all. Well, uh, well, while out waiting for the ball to drop with my sister, I met two young women from Japan. They were studying abroad in Canada and decided to come down. 
They looked really cool, so we offered them uh, some of our hand. Oh, they looked really cold. I was going to say, I almost actually said, wow, you could tell if somebody's cool. I'm sorry. They looked really cold. That's very nice of you. So you offered them hand warmers, blankets, and my sister's emergency blanket to stand on with us to help keep their feet warm. Makes me feel good to help people. Side note, I don't recommend going to see the ball drop. Um, yes, that's very acceptable, what you guys did. Um, I wouldn't have done it because they're Japanese and I have a thing against Japs. But, uh, well, I was just at Pearl Harbor. So, no, I'm kidding. That's very nice of you to do. And... Um, I'm totally kidding, Japanese listeners. I love Japan. I love actually I love Japanese culture. I love Japanese food. Um I mean of course we could have done without Pearl Harbor, but um that's very nice of you. That is acceptable. As far as your first one, I don't think they would ever that'd be great though if you had five things of meat that you needed and all five employees just got on a machine and you got it all at the same time because five of the people worked on it. Uh <laughs> But, um, yeah, anytime you wait, nobody gives up. That's what, that's what you have to learn. And we've talked about that on the show years ago. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares about you or your time. Nobody wants to be at their jobs. The majority of people don't. I would say the, the, I would say the percentage of people that love their jobs and love what they do is probably 10 or under 10%, which is really sad and sucks. But, you know, nobody loves, you know, how many times... Do you wake up in the morning and go, I cannot wait to commute to work today. I cannot wait to either get on the train or the bus or take it or drive or, you know, whatever. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to wake up when I'm tired and, and put clothes on and force myself to go and make somebody uh, more rich. Nobody, I mean, the percentage is nobody really wants to do that, you know. I mean, think about it. I, I You could be president of the United States. They don't want to do it. You know? They'd probably like to do it for a year or two. But you, you can't tell me that. I mean, Bush already. I mean, Bush. I told you guys. I flew the guy that flew Bush. And he was like, fuck that. You could have that job. But you can't tell me that Obama and, you know, now even Trump. I mean, Trump's talking so much shit on Twitter. But you know, when these guys put their pajamas on and they lay down in bed... They're not looking at the ceiling in their room going, what the fuck am I doing? I can't wait for this shit to be over and my name to be out of the news and just be on some fucking ranch somewhere. You can't tell me that they don't fantasize about that. Everybody wants to, no matter how much you love what you do. I was talking to this one comedian. This one comedian said, you ever just go on stage and go, why the fuck are we doing this? Like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I doing this? Why am I, you know, making these, trying to make these people laugh? And I kind of understood what he meant. I mean, I love it and I love the art. And I know that that comedian that said that to me loves it too. But like I told him, I said, yeah, I fantasize. I fantasize about being a UPS driver sometimes. Just knowing my hours, knowing my weekends are off, knowing that there's a pension. But you want to know the funny true thing about that is? After a week or two of doing it, you're like, fuck this. Hey, man, I need you to get the truck back in quicker. Hey, man, the, the route's getting a little longer. You got to do this. Also, the physical stuff on it. And, and, you know, and just the same routine and the uniform and the truck every day, as great as it sounds to, I mean, some people are like, Paul, it doesn't sound great. But, like, a civilian job for me sometimes sounds great, you know. Um, but then I'm like, no, there's nothing better than doing what I do. I create my hours. I create 
I mean, comedy clubs do, but I tell them when I'm available. I'm the one that works out the money uh, or my agent works out the money. I could say no. I dictate what I do, and, and that's why um, I love it. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to get in the car and drive somewhere, and you don't feel like doing it and stuff like that, but, but that's that comes with it, you know? You know, that's any anything. You're just anything, you know? If you had to wake up and drive two hours to pick up money, right? If your job, money for you, I'm talking about. I'm talking about money for you. If your job required you and it was the best job in the world, all your job was was to wake up and you had to drive three and a half hours one way and three and a half hours back. So your day was seven hours in the car. However, all that that did was when you got there to your destination after three and a half hours, you picked up a check for $2,000 for yourself, your money. You get to put in your account, but you had to come home. So think about that for a second. You would be excited that every single day you woke up, you were taking two grand down, right? What's the math on that? Let's do the math on that. I got it. I got an iPhone. I got a calculator. The math on that would be and we're going longer. I'm just talking on this podcast. I'm having fun on this podcast. We're just going to talk. This is the first one of the year. I'm talking to the damn people. So, 2,000 times 365 equals. All right. Is that right? $730,000 a year. All right. So, you are almost at three quarters of a million dollars a year. Okay, so whatever, after taxes or whatever, you're still getting close to, you know, you're getting a lot of money. And it's a great thing. Somebody says, what's your job? Oh, I, I drive seven hours every day for two grand. Okay. But you can't tell me that like the 10th day in a row you start doing that, you're excited, but you're like, wow, I'm beating the shit out of my car and my body. I'm kind of dreading the drive right now. I have a little bit of a cold. I got to be in the car for seven hours every fucking day. So... That's just an example I'm using. As great as something could be, you would think that if you were making $2 million a year. If you're making $2 million a year, but you had to put your body through that, that's a lot of shit you're putting your body and your car through. It's it's not an easy thing. Uh, but you love it, and it's nice. It's the same thing. Actually, not really, because I'm telling jokes and do, doing something I love. So it's a little different, but you fuckers know what I mean. All right? I don't have to sit here and keep... You get it. You get the gist of it. Um... Let's see what what else do we have here, guys. Oh, and speaking of like doing something and being tired and all that stuff, how about let's get into a little bit of sports here. How about Christoph Porzingis of my beloved New York Knickerbockers? How about him saying he's tired? I mean, we're not even halfway. Are we halfway? What is it? How many? No, like what are they? What are you doing? You have, like, you're not even halfway through the season and you're saying you're tired and you're missing shots and you're having one great game where you win the game, but then you're having games where you can't even hit a shot and you look exhausted and you're like 22 years old. Like, what are you doing, Chris Stops? Come on, please don't turn into this. I just, I mean, every time there looks like there's a glimmer of hope, you got a 22 year old kid in the NBA as a franchise player saying he's tired and fucking. January, the end of December, beginning of January? What are you talking about? Tired. I mean, that's a bad sign. I'm not going to lie to you. And I hate saying that, but you can't say that shit. Guy's tired. He's a franchise young player. He's in his second, was it second or third year? I mean, what are you talking about? 
I mean, what are you talking about? You're tired. I was watching, so I was reading something today on the New York Knicks. Um, by the way, if you hear, if you hear uh, voices or noises in the back, we have I have three cleaning cleaning ladies here who are great, but they just you know they yell at each other in Spanish. Well, I mean, they're talking, but they're in different rooms, so they have to yell back and forth, and it's Spanish. So I don't want you guys being like, "What the fuck is Verzi got going on over there?" You just hear like vacuums, people yelling, "Like what the way here?" Blah blah blah. You know, I don't, I don't. So anyway, if you hear that, um, so. The Giants coaching situation, they were talking, they're either going to get the offensive coordinator of the Patriots, the defensive coordinator of the Patriots, and then somebody just sent me a text, my neighbor Jeff, saying, and I don't understand what he meant by this, but my neighbor Jeff just said, um, Belichick leaves, does he come back to Big Blue? And I said, he is leaving? And he said, you want him? And I said, first off, yes, of course I want him. Second, is he leaving? How could you not want him? And I say, I want him if he leaves. Um, If Bill Belichick decided to leave the Patriots and come to the New York Giants, I would rejoice. I don't like the guy that much, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, it's one of those things where you don't like a guy and then you have a beer with him and you talk football with him. You're like, oh, this guy's the fucking best. You know, it's one of those things. I don't care, you know. Of course, you're going to look at somebody and look at like, oh, it's been an opponent of yours and it's been like an, a nemesis or not really because we beat them. But, you know, if Bill Belichick came to the New York Giants, we would rejoice. All right, you'd have the defense that we have. You know, you have some offensive weapons. Then you get a coach like that who will cut your ass. Like that's, if you notice every successful coach, they will cut you in a second. And I don't mean that in a... I mean, like, they don't care if you are a good starting player, a big time. If you're not doing it, they just don't need you. He'll just, you're, you are replaceable, and it'll be the next guy there to do your job because he'll make the guy understand his job, make him understand his assignments, and do the fucking job, and you're out. I'll tell you something right now. Odell Beckham Jr. would be changing his tune. All right, probably dyeing his hair back to normal and cutting his fucking hair if Bill Belichick came in there and was like, listen, this is what we're doing. You're going to stop with your antics. You're going to stop taking your helmet off. You're going to stop crying on the field if you get hurt. You're going to stop all the shit. You're going to stop your you know, your tweets, all this stuff. You're going to cut this shit out. You're going to play football for the New York Giants and we're going to win or you're going to be fucking playing you know, in Kansas City next year. You know, And there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying anything wrong with Kansas City. I'm just saying you ain't going to be here. You know? Uh, Bill Parcells, he went as far as to not even call the the player's name. He called him the player. So if he was asked a question, he wouldn't even refer to their name or their first name. He just called him the player, meaning, listen, you know, you 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 you're gonna come and go. I'm here to make us win. You're gonna come and go because I'm gonna get another guy to do your job. That's not a fucking headache. All those guys win. It's the guys that you know the Ben McAdoo's who are trying to figure out their hairstyle and letting the star players do whatever they want when they haven't even proved anything. You know? That's why Lawrence Taylor was so fucking great because Bill Parcells is like, yeah, that guy could sleep during the meetings, you know, because he just went on a fucking three-day cocaine bender with hookers and he comes up back on Sunday and he plays like a Hall of Famer no matter fucking how he is. You know, earn it first. You got to earn it. And Bill Parcells earned it enough being in the league to see that. This guy, Ben McAdoo, couldn't get his fuck. He went from a mullet to fucking Pat Riley's slicked hair back, letting everybody do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. You can't have it. 
So, um, you know, yes, I would love Bill Belichick to be the coach of the New York Giants. And if that happens when he gets older, that would be amazing. And who's to say it won't? You know, when Brady leaves, if the Giants get a good young quarterback in the next couple of years or, you know, who knows? I mean, I don't think Eli will be around uh, two more years from now. I wouldn't imagine. He just turned 37. I wouldn't imagine he's going to play till 40. I would say Eli will probably play to 38, 39. And, uh, and then that would be it. But if Bill Belichick left the Patriots this year, imagine this scenario, guys. Bill Belichick starts to see that Brady's getting old and they don't win it this year. And he thinks, man, maybe it's time to leave. The Giants draft a young, good quarterback. Okay, get that running back. And know that they're going to have Eli for a year or two to teach the young guy that's going to step in for Eli a couple of years, which is great. And you get a teacher like Belichick. Then Belichick comes to the Giants. And he's like, Could, wouldn't that be interesting if the Giants waited to choose their coach after to see what Belichick did? And then Belichick came to the I know it's wishful thinking. But that'd be awesome. You give Belichick the Giants team, I think, whoa, I think we're going to bounce back. I think something really good is going to happen, especially with the with the new GM. And the new GM is awesome. The new GM, you know, seems awesome. But um, I, I'm not going to try to sound like a dick. I think it's easy. I think the job that these GMs have, and I know that this is going to sound completely ridiculous and ludicrous, um, but I think once you know the game, I think it's easy. It's easy. Oh my God, you know I'm going to talk about Dave Chappelle. Don't worry about that. I'm talking about Dave Chappelle on this, on this podcast. I'm going into overtime on this podcast. But I'm talking about Dave Chappelle and I'm talking about his specials and I'm going to uh, reiterate some things that I said on social media. So don't worry, I'm doing that. And I know you're saying, where the hell did that come from? I just thought about it. But I'm doing it because I owe you the people. I owe you people. Uh, you listen to my podcast all the time. You're going to listen to a comedian who is uh, going to talk about what just happened and what's going on and some of the sickening things that these bloggers and these fucking people on, on social media say. But going back to football, if you watch football for 30, 40 fucking years, you worked in the organization, you know how the NFL works. I don't think it's hard to fucking have the eighth pick as a team and, and be in a room with people and not make the right fucking pick. Honestly. I truly believe that me and like two of my good friends that know football could ru- could personnel-wise get the right personnel for a football team and it, w- it would probably take us a year or two and then we would get the right people in to make an NFL team win. Does that sound crazy? I don't think it's crazy. I could do it. You could do it. You know, for example, I'm not trying to be a dickhead to this kid Rosen on uh, UCLA because I don't know anything about him and I haven't seen too much video of him, but I know this. He's had two concussions at the college level. So picture everybody faster and stronger. I wouldn't touch him. I'd go with the running back like I've mentioned before. Okay? I would also pick linemen from these big schools like Alabama and Clemson and all these people. I would get those guys from the line because that's that's just, that you know, they're bigger, stronger, faster. A lot of recruiting's already been done. All right? But I'm going to go probably tell some dick jokes tonight. So what do I know? Speaking of jokes... Let's talk about Dave Chappelle's specials that came out on New Year's Eve. Let me just tell you guys that I was laying in bed and my phone goes off and it says, oh, 
We think we have, you know, the way Netflix sends their subscribers. We have, you know, a special we think you'd like, Dave Chappelle. And I'm laying in bed, and I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, I'm a little worried about what comedians are going to say when their special comes out because my special is in the process of, of a bunch of things right now. And I'm worried, you know, uh, Louis C.K. did a joke that was almost identical. He touched on it and he said a line, which I say. And, you know, he's Louis C.K. and everybody knows him and, and I'm up and coming and not everybody knows me. Therefore, I can't do the joke because it looks like, you know, it looks like I took it. Uh, even though it's not the case, but I couldn't do the joke. So when a friend calls you up and says it, so, uh, and also I've watched a couple of Netflix specials where people allude to certain things. Comedians talk about a lot of the same topics and you got to hope that yours is just personal to you. So part of me was a little selfish in watching the um, Chappelle thing, but I was like, let me watch it for five minutes. Fast forward, an hour goes by and I watched this guy's entire special and it was brilliant. It was very aware. It was socially aware and smart. Um, it had great jokes. It had great commentary on what's going on in the world. It was just a brilliant, beautiful piece of comedy and, and, and talking. And then he did another one from the belly room, the smallest room at the comedy store in Los Angeles, where he just sat on a stool and talked and it was absolutely brilliant. And he said things about the Louis CK thing. And, um, if you guys go back to my podcast, when I talked about the Louis thing, I said, hang up the phone. If you're on the phone and you think he's jerking off. And Chappelle talked about that, and uh, and and I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was great, and I thought there's like, yeah, exactly. That's what people are thinking. He also said something about one of the articles saying Louis C.K. ruined somebody's dream, or these girls got their comedy dreams ruined by Louis C.K. And he said something. He goes, well, that's a little bit of a brittle spirit, don't you think? You know, you're going to lose your dream because a guy pulls out his dick and then he pulls out one of the most brilliant jokes I've heard in a long time. He goes, you think Martin Luther King was going to stop his movement of freeing black people or making black people feel equal because somebody pulled out their dick? He's like, ah, wait, this has to stop. You know, this guy pulled out his dick. I can't go on. And it was fucking brilliant and beautiful. And he was like, you know, you got to how strong is your dream if that's what's going to stop you, you know? And uh, an article came out, which was sickening. And bullshit it said Louis C.K. calls, I mean, uh, Dave Chappelle calls Louis C.K. victims weak or women weak. Which is such an irresponsible headline because you know what else Dave Chappelle talked about? He talked about how women have it hard and how women need to win this fight. This fight of being equal and being treated nice and being treated with respect and being treated like an equal person to a man. He talked about how walking around with a vagina around men all the time, every day, how it's, can't, it's, how it's not easy. He even gives examples of it. And it's brilliant. And it's beautiful. And he talked about being the father of a daughter makes him think about this thing and all this stuff. But guess what, everybody? That wasn't in the headlines. No. None of that was in the fucking headlines. You know, because God forbid these fucking nerds say anything positive about something that everybody likes. There's got to be some little bullshit angle, some little bitchy, some little, you know, you know, oversensitive, you know, it's not politically correct enough. Fuck you, you fucking bitch. You know, and, you know, and, and they said all these different things. Oh, his, his transgender jokes, he just doesn't get it. He's not in touch with times. He's not funny anymore. He talked about being at a 
party or a club dancing with somebody that he found out was a transsexual and he was a little spooked by it because he didn't know. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, there's only two more songs left of the night. I'll still dance. Let's still dance and finish him out. Like he was talking about accepting it. But people were so stupid that they just hear the, oh, I was a little creeped out by it. Or, you know, it's a little funny that like it's funny. You know, he's basically saying that like the transsexual thing, you got to look at humor. You got to look at the humor of it. He was like, yeah, it's kind of a funny thing that somebody just is like, I'm in this body, but I kind of, he's like, there's something kind of funny to it. And he said, everything is funny until it happens to you. And he's absolutely right. As a matter of fact, I think it's the opposite of what his critics said. I think it's the opposite of what some of these haters say. I think it was very in touch and very honest and very aware. And I think that the fact that he talks about how women do deserve equal rights and women do deserve to be treated like that. And, and it is hard for a woman to walk around with a vagina around men because they know what men are thinking and all this stuff. And, you know, that's going on. And he's got a daughter and I have a daughter. And I think all of that stuff, you know, I think that 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 it's great that he did that. But I also think it's great that he said, yeah, a guy pulled out his dick and started jerking off in front of you. You're going to quit your comedy dream because of that. That seems a little brittle. That seems like the dream is not strong enough. What's wrong with that? It does seem weak. He would say that about a man. That's the difference. He would say that about a man. And that's the problem, guys. The problem is there's just too much fucking, there's too much sensitive, and it's all coming back. It's all going to come back and change. It really, really is. And he also said something, another thing that, that I, I said and agreed with, and, I, and I'm not trying to sit here and compare myself to the brilliant Dave Chappelle. I'm not. But he said something that that is is amazing, and I said it too. Believe it or not, Donald Trump was necessary. Donald Trump may equal all this shit out. It was a necessary, it was an unfortunate necessary, I think. Because, because as, as, as nutty as it is and all these different things, and I mean, the guy just can't, you can't fuck, listen, I'm not trying to get political on here, I don't, but you just can't fucking talk about nuclear weapons and, you know, you having more than some fucking lunatic that, that we could potentially get into a war with. I mean, you just can't, anybody that defends that, you just, you're out of your fucking mind. I don't, guys, you know, no, no, we gotta show them. Shut the fuck up. No, you don't. We know the power that we have, all right? Go to an air show and watch what the F-18 Hornet could do. Watch what one of them could do. I'm not worried. All right, we have fucking bombs that drill themselves into the middle of a mountain and then decimate it into a pile of fucking powder. I'm not worried about I'm not worried about it. He doesn't need to say what we have. And he doesn't need to do that. But all that stuff aside, the reason why Donald Trump won is because the political correctness and things went too far the other way. I, I really believe that. Well, that that and Hillary Clinton. But but, but I think both play a factor. For sure, you know, but it got, it got so far. And I was talking to a liberal Democrat who said this, a friend of mine who's very liberal and Democrat said, the far left did this. The far left did this. The overly left liberals are the reason. And this is what's happening. So now Dave Chappelle knows what he has to do. And Chris Rock and, and Seinfeld and all the people that, that, that have come before us and iconic things in stand-up, not going to colleges because of the sensitivity and the protests and saying, well, fuck you, then you're just not going to get this icon that was willing to go to your college. Jerry Seinfeld was willing to go to your college. He's a masterful man with words. He's very funny. You're going to have an iconic comedian like Chris Rock. And you know what they said to the whole college, all the colleges? I'm not coming because these fucking babies can't handle it. And they deserve it. And But the greatest thing, guys, the greatest thing that Chris Rock, I mean, the greatest thing that Dave Chappelle said with his specials, the greatest thing he said, and it actually really helped me with something that I was struggling with. And I'm not going to get into it, but there's definitely some edgy things that I talked about in my special. 
And uh, Dave Chappelle was sitting at the belly room at the cellar. And he said, I see a lot of young comedians standing back there because, you know, they see a guy who's been doing this for 30 plus years and he's a master and he's great. And, you know, comics want to see it. And it's amazing. And um, he said, and I implore you, all you young comics here, keep saying reckless things and keep saying it because you're saying it to, to, to try to make something funny and you're just trying to say it. And, and, and the minute they take that away from us, it takes away from the art that we do. And when he said that, it did something to me because I, even though I knew that, it was this bigger, larger than life comedic personality kind of validating what we all know and thought but knew that the public needed to hear. And it felt so good for me to know that my special's coming out. And there are some things that I talk about with depression and bad thoughts and, and, and some dark stuff. It may, you know, you always wonder, like, how is, and, and, and I realized, no, Paul, that is your honest, and this is before I saw the Chappelle thing. I said, no, that is your honest feeling. And that was your honest thought. And your honest feeling and thought was to say that and make it funny. And maybe, just maybe, you needed to talk about something that dark because it hurts you in real life. So the way that you could make it easier is to make a joke about it, even if it's going to offend people. And it's what you felt and it was honest and funny. And that's how I felt. And my manager helped me with it. And my wife helped me with it. And people helped me with it. Like, is this, you know, I don't want to. And then all of a sudden hearing Dave know that it just validated and reconfirmed myself, my manager, my wife, and everybody that, that saw me do jokes that people could potentially look at as, whoa, um, and, and, and that, it was amazing. And when he said, continue to say reckless things as a comedian, you have to, and you can't back down. And he also said, part of the reason why he's walking away is because everybody is too sensitive and everybody gets upset and transgender community thinks that he's against them. And, you know, some women think that, oh, he called them weak. He didn't listen, pay attention, understand the honesty and understand the joke in it. Okay. It's free game for everybody. It's not picking on women. It's not picking on men. It's picking on the situation. And he would have said it whether it was a man or a woman. And uh, I loved it. And I, 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 I think what he did was so amazing for our community, for comedians. I think it was actually in the long run going to help the public understand or at least the smart ones. You're always going to have the dumb motherfuckers who aren't going to get it. But I loved it. I really, truly loved it. And I think that uh, he was masterful. And I think if anybody loves comedy and if anybody appreciates what I do for a living or what comedians do, you have to watch Dave Chappelle's last two specials. Um, oh, and I'll tell you, Bill Burr's next hour is going to be, you know, I had the pleasure of opening for that. That's going to be, wow. So um, it's looking good and, 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 and it looks good for us and it looks good for the future because... Um, if you know somebody that's sensitive, then just tell them, don't go to the show because you're going to hear something. You know? I, uh... Because you make things... Because it makes things easy. Er, and it's how people deal with it. For example, you know, Gilbert Gottfried, when he was a spokesperson for Aflac, Aflac was probably giving him millions of dollars. He was making a shitload of money as a spokesperson for the as the Aflac duck. And then there was a tsunami in Japan or whatever. There was that awful tsunami which took, you know, countless lives. 
And he just put a tweet about it. He put a tweet. And the tweet basically said, you know, something, you know, it was a little, I guess, off. It was, you know, it was a tweet about people dying in the tsunami. And he meant it to be funny. And he got fired from Aflac. And he lost God knows how much money he lost. And then in the documentary Gilbert that I spoke about on the podcast, his wife talks about how much it hurt him when he got fired and that he didn't want to hurt people's feelings with the joke, but it was how he dealt with it. So the way that this comedian who has a platform deals with something is um, he saw something horrible. It probably hurt him to see all these people, but you know what? The comedian in him, made him say something and it hurt him and he got fired and he just didn't want people to think he was probably hurt more not that he got fired that people thought that he was insensitive to people dying in a tsunami this is what we do people it's what we do one of the greatest things that I've ever heard and I understand completely was Joan Rivers and if I said this story before I apologize Joan Rivers, by the way, shout out Joan Rivers, rest in peace, from Westchester County. That's right, Joan Rivers, born and raised in Westchester, a true New Yorker, and uh, a top 10 comedian of all time. You want? She's the fucking, she was just unbelievable. But Joan Rivers, uh, her husband committed suicide. And I want to say maybe the night of or the day after. And again, I apologize if I if you heard this story, but if you're new to the podcast, you didn't. But it just talks about what I'm saying here. She was out eating with her daughter. And um, obviously they're distraught. The father just lost their, their husband and father. He killed himself, which is fucking horrible. And um, they're sitting there eating. And she, obviously you got to take the daughter out to eat. You're hungry, you're down, you're all full. Lord knows they probably didn't sleep. And they're at a restaurant eating. And Joan Rivers opens the menu and she looks at the menu and then she looks at her daughter and she says, oh my God, if your father were here now, he'd kill himself all over again with these prices. I mean, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> it's, and that was the way you deal with it. Like she just dealt with it. Like if your father was here and saw these prices, he'd kill himself again. Something along those lines, which is it's it's incredible that she would say that and think about it. But that's the thing. And, um, yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to talk about that and, and just put light on what I think Dave Chappelle did and how great it was and, um, how everybody needs to see it and understand and, and, and finding anything wrong with it is just really nitpicky bullshit. And it's just fucking jumping on this pile on that everybody's trying to do. And I can't wait for it to go away. But we comedians are the last line of defense, everybody. And I assure you, and I promise you, that the things I say on stage, I will not apologize for. I will be conscious of. And if I make a mistake and have to apologize, I will. You know, if I happen to, but but, but I'm talking about the big stuff. Um, I'm going to mean what I say and have fun with it. And if you get offended, then... I don't know what the fuck to tell you. So, that's it. That's how I'm going to end the show. Uh, go to my website for plugs. Uh, go to my website for dates, I should say. I'll be at Dangerfields. I'll be at uh, Stand Up New York. I'll be at New York Comedy Club. I'll be at The Stand all in the month of January. I'm sure there's other stuff on there, and there's going to be stuff uh, being added. So thank you guys so much for listening. This has been TVE episode 338. I know it's a little long. It's the first one of the year, but I wanted to touch on touch on some things here. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, 
and don't get the American Girl doll anymore. This bitch got a nicer bag than my wife. It's fucking putting my, my daughter's putting her in like a booster seat and shit. It's getting crazy. Stop it. Enough. Enough. Stop it already. Um, check out, go, go to Chassis, guys. Get your balls right. Get your chassis clean. Get your under, get, get your man care for down there right. Get chassis, chassisformen.com. Go to Amazon. It'll be the best powder you ever put in your body. Check out City Living Dog. Check out All Things Comedy. This has been the Verzi Effect 338. You guys are going to be getting an extra Patreon. Subscribe to Patreon. Oh, and you're going to hear a great story of, uh, of a really, really crazy uh, edible story that I got. And that's coming out soon too. Today, probably. Yeah, today. Uh, all right. This has been 338. I'm Paul Verzi. You guys are the shit. Until next time, I am out of here. Let's start the new year right. Take care.